I read uh, today that Robert Downey Jr. is also a fan of your show and that you guys have become kind of friends. Yeah. Really? Yeah, look at this. Uh, What's I'm he here with you? I get no, emails but, from Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, they don't Downey care about Jr. me. We want to hear about Robert Downey Jr. He uh, had your email address? Yeah, well, he emailed me, and uh, I was like, yeah, right. Who's this ass? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, no problem. Oh. No problem, yeah. You have to pay for that? No, you, okay. no we don't have to pay for that. I have that, a lot of money. That was, that so. was your... <laughs> <laughs> that was your reply to me when I emailed you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You actually knew who it was. So uh, after a while, someone emailed me that I knew and was like, why aren't you answering Robert Downey Jr.'s email? I'm like, no way. I've been blowing this guy off. It's the real guy. You know, yeah, it's Iron Man. He even, Iron Man. He yeah. even signed it Film Icon, you know. As, <laughs> Did it? Because he's amazing like that. He's the most humble but the coolest guy. Oh, I love him. Write. He's oh. the best, oh, dude. you can't help but love him. <laughs> You know the secrets of making friends? They are so simple and easy. The Cockpit Welcome back to the Coffee Clatch Crew, Mr. Robot Bonus Episode Review. I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomangino. And today, we are going to be doing our bonus podcast in regards to Mr. Robot Season 2. Unfortunately, Jamal and Ryan couldn't make it to join us today. We will miss you guys, but your two hosts are here. Hopefully, that's good for your season wrap-up. And also, uh, we're going to try to get Ryan on for our next show, but he is moving to Germany and there's a big time difference there. Yeah, if you <laughs> guys were, were wondering, he's been absent from a couple of episodes. And if you've listened to Mr. Robot, you might miss him for our next show. We didn't realize how difficult that was going to be. When yeah. you think about six hours, the reality of it, I don't know that that's really feasible. Yeah, if we start at eight at night, it's like uh, one or two there in the yeah. morning. Maybe we can have him on some guest spots once in a while. Yeah, I'm hoping so. We wish you the best on your journey, Ryan. Speaking of the next show, looks like we have a winner, and it's Westworld. Sorry, Lewis. I know you really wanted Black Mirror and a, and a few other listeners. But uh, it won with an astounding 66%. Yes, on our Twitter poll, which is closed now. We were excited about Black Mirror as well, but in thinking about it, that's something we could always go back to. So no yeah, saying be. we might not do that in the future. But I'm also thrilled to cover Westworld. Yeah, me too. Definitely. And I already made the cover photo. And we will be making a new channel for that. Yeah. But you know how it takes time for iTunes to do anything when they're not making money. So it takes probably four or five days for them to okay it. And we want at least one podcast up there before we put it in so if you don't want to miss out on it go to our coffee clatch crew channel that's clatch with a k just search on it with uh, any uh, podcast app that you use and you'll see it there it's a white background with a dude and a microphone yeah and if you're not familiar with westworld you can also go back to our short podcast where we talked about voting on our next show and listen to our section on westworld or also just check it out online. Check out a preview clip and it'll definitely entice you to want to watch more. Yeah, we're excited for that. But for now, we're excited to be wrapping up Mr. Robot. Kind of sad that we won't get it yes. for a whole nother year now. Hey guys, sorry I missed the season two recap of Mr. Robot. 
I'm traveling down in Florida, so I just missed it. But uh, I wanted to run this theory by you guys and see what you thought. Um, I was texting with Tom the other day, and he was asking about the bullet casing and who shot uh, who shot the gun. And I thought we saw a scene where Mr. Robot pulled the gun out of the popcorn, but I, uh, I'm a little fuzzy on it. But I think that's what happened. So I was talking to him, and he was and just throwing ideas out about what could have happened because we don't really know. We didn't see it. So I was saying maybe. He shot it in the air to get Tyrell's attention, or maybe he um, saved Tyrell from committing suicide. But all of these theories, I was thinking, would leave a bullet uh, somewhere in the Fun Society building. And the FBI never found the, the actual bullet. So then I was thinking, and I threw this out there, maybe he shot the hard drive that was running the... Uh, virus that they were putting out there. They were running. They were basically just encrypting all the computers at uh, E Corp, like um, like a ransomware virus. Except they weren't saving the keys, so it couldn't be undone. So I was thinking maybe after he ran the, the virus, that he just shot the hard drive with the gun, destroying the hard drive, and this would destroy the encryption keys also. So. So I kind of like this theory because it kind of follows up with what happened with Trenton at the end. Maybe uh, she recovered the encryption keys from the hard drive. Because in computer forensics, even after a hard drive is destroyed, you can still try to read the data and uh, recover some files from it. So maybe if it wasn't destroyed in an area where the encryption keys were, you could effectively revert back what... Uh, what damage all the encrypted files so this was just the theory I had uh, and uh, I thought it kind of fit in nicely with why the bullet casing would be there with no bullet and um, where how it could tie in with Trenton we knew that, that Trenton and Darlene and Mobley and Romero had to clean up everything afterwards because Darlene said that she was upset at Elliot for doing the hack without them and that they had to clean up the uh, everything, his mess again. So uh, just wanted to run that by you guys and see what you thought. All right, bye. We're going to start the way we wrapped up our last TV review by briefly going through each episode and the ratings for it, what IMDb gave it and what we gave it. Episode one was Unmask Part One. IMDb gave it an 8.8. I gave it an 8.8, and Jay, you gave it a 9. Nice. So we were pretty close on there. Episode 2 was sort of rolled right in there on Mask Part 2. They aired on the same night. IMDb gave it a 9. I gave it a 9. You gave it a 9. And you gave it a 9. <laughs> and you gave it a 9. <laughs> Episode 3 was Colonel Panic. IMDb gave it a 9.1. I gave it an 8.8. Jay, you gave it an 8. Whoa, I went way down. We were a little little bit lower on the first couple of episodes. I think it was slow to get cooking. By episode four, in it one, IMDb was still at a 9.1. I was at an 8.5. You were at an 8.6. But then by episode five, Logic Bomb, IMDb went up to a 9.7. I went up to a 9.4, and you an 8.9. So I think this is where it really started connecting and working for us, and we stayed within the nine range uh, pretty much from that point on out. Episode 
six was Master Slave. This was the one, I believe, with the 80s sitcom throwback because it got great ratings. IMDb was a 9.8. I was a 9.2, and you were a 9.8. That's one of the highest I've ever seen you give for yeah. a TV show. The nostalgia just it, it did it for me. Episode 7, Handshake, IMDb 9.7. I was a 9.4, and you were a 9.4. Oh, we were very similar from this point on out. Yeah. Episode 8, Successor, IMDb 9. I was 9.6, you were 9.5. Episode 9, In It 5, IMDb 9.2. I was a 9.5, you were a 9.3. We were right around there for Episode 10, Hidden Process. And then we had... Python, part one and part two. So IMDb was at a 9.3 for that. I was 9.3 and 8.8. You were 9 and 9.7. So a little bit reverse. I was like <laughs> a little bit high and then I dropped and you, yeah. you were the reverse of that. So overall, if you average the season out, season two, IMDb would be at about a 9.3. Me a 9.2. You a 9.1. It's so weird to think that I was lower than you because oftentimes I liked it more than you. Yeah, and people perhaps that didn't listen to all our episodes thought that I was harsh on this show, mm-hmm. which is very strange. I actually loved this show in a 9.2. I mean, the only thing I go higher than that for is Game of Thrones because it's my favorite show yeah. ever. <laughs> and you, we have to have critical analysis or else this would be, a, a, I think, a boring podcast where Everyone knew every time they listened that we were just like, we loved it. Can't do anything wrong. We loved it, you know? Absolutely. We started off from day one saying we didn't want to be that type of a worship fest. We wanted to really look at it honestly and give our opinions, give our feedback. You know, we're not always right. This is just what we think about it. Right. And the bottom line is that this is a labor of love for us. (laughs) For those of you that aren't familiar Jason and I, we've been doing this podcast for quite a few years now. Three. Three yeah. years. And we don't make any money off of it at this point. Maybe someday in the future. That would be mm. nice. Uh, but right now, we both have a plethora of other actual jobs, and we do this in whatever time we have left over because we hope that we're giving you fans something to listen to that you're enjoying. We did get a lot of positive feedback this season, which we will be happy to get into yes. when we do our last Clatcher's comments at the end of the episode. But we wouldn't be doing all that if we didn't absolutely love the show we were watching, and Mr. Robot stands out as one of the greats. Absolutely. It's one of my top favorite shows of all time. Now, you know, that's not to say there weren't certain nitpicky issues. I mean, things that perhaps we put the spotlight on as we dissect an episode. But overall, those numbers, 9.2 and 9.1, this was maybe for me just slightly below season one. Mm -hmm. But it's hard to top a season one, I think. Yeah. You You can't do that same punch. It wouldn't work. We would see it coming, and it was different enough and similar enough to keep everyone engaged. And I think he did brilliantly. Esmail, that is. Yeah, and we'll get into specifically what we liked or what didn't work for us for the season overall. But I'll tell you just as highlights, what really worked for me is I loved the deep dive into Elliot's psyche. I love that they devoted the time to really examining that. I credit Esmail for tackling that kind of a difficult look into 
mental illness, if you want to call it that, what's going on in Elliot's mind. Mm-hmm. What we were lacking was the quicker plot progression, which at times felt a little bit slow, a little bit tedious, like I just was waiting for something to happen. Yeah. Um, but they kept giving enough to keep us hooked. Yeah, I agree with you mostly, but uh, even when it was slow, it there was so much happening, and that's why it felt tedious, because... Mm. The plot was moving slow, but within that, there was like 60 things happening on screen where we had to pause and rewind and be like, all right, did we miss anything? What's that on the, on the wall? <laughs> because yeah. he's got us. So he's got us like a cat that hears a noise and they just stop what they're doing. They move. <gasps> what was that? What, yeah, like, what was that? When you shine those uh, lighters on the wall and they're just like... Those lasers, fran- yeah. Yeah, they're frantically bouncing back and forth trying to chase it. That's, ex- that's perfect. Exactly. Everything on screen is like that laser and we have to pause and be like, what's that? Is that it? What about that thing? I see an IP address. Put it down. Put it in. (laughs) I absolutely agree with you. And also, Esmail talked about this himself. We'll get a little bit into some of his interviews and statements about season two. They actually asked him, is it difficult? You know, he wrote, directed, created, did so much for this season. Uh, On top of his heavy schedule, they said, isn't it hard to be in the mind of Elliot? all the time to be in that mindset and working on those things. And he said, absolutely. It's tiring. It's exhausting, but it's also exhilarating. Mm. I think that sums it up so well. Absolutely. This is definitely his baby. Okay. So what did the critics have to say about it? I'll give you three highlight quotes that I found that represent both sides of the spectrum. Okay. They said season two is by and large a season long trailer for season three. That's rarely a good look on a TV show. And it's what keeps this season from reaching the heights of season one. But at the same time, it's a trailer that does some really amazing stuff. Uh, I don't agree with that. (laughs) I don't agree with that. Yeah, that's the negative one. (laughs) Yeah. And even that is a mixed bag. But the next one says, Sam Esmail's weirdly mesmerizing cyber thriller continues to pull off an audacious feat of boldly original, eerily relevant, and daringly surreal storytelling reminiscent of the visionary cinema of the 1970s. This man writes and he's like, check out my vocabulary. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but I think true. Mm -hmm. Perfectly. Definitely. You know, one thing before you read the next one, especially as critics that get paid to write um, reviews or, Mm -hmm. or what have you, they have to be polarizing in their thoughts. So even if the, they don't fully believe what they're saying, they have to go all the way or else, they're not going to be good critics. No one's going to read a critic that goes like a midland critic that that's always down the middle. Sure. Because there's nothing interesting about that. So they have to be polarizing in the left or the right of positive or negative so that people will talk about it, people will read it, and want to know what he thinks next. Even if they hate him, they're going to be like, what did this asshole say about this next one? You know? Yeah. So that's <laughs> the thing, that's the difficult part with this podcast is because we don't, Obviously, we don't want to be polarizing in any side because we'll lose listeners. Well, and we don't want to be untruthful. If we like it, we don't want to get on here and say we hated it. Right. But we do want to represent, when we we feel those things, truthfully, if we were less than 100% satisfied with parts of episodes, which, (laughs) you know, is natural, Mm -hmm. you want to represent what your listeners are feeling. Yes. So you know there's going to be some out there who loved it and some who didn't. And we're hoping by listening to us, you get both sides of that. And you find something you can relate to. 
Yeah, and the fact that they write into us lets us know what they're feeling, which is great. Oh, yeah, we love your opinions on it as well. And like we said, we'll get to that later. The last critic review said, even in a TV landscape boasting a huge population of anti-heroes, Mr. Robot stands alone in its determination that no one should look to its lead character to guide them out of the darkness. That is beautiful. And stands alone has a two-part meaning because he literally feels like he's standing alone in life. And he literally never is. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's a beautiful one. I like that review. Yeah. And the whole, no one should look to, to its lead character to guide them out of the darkness. I was always thinking, if Elliot didn't have this issue, this personality issue, mm-hmm. how powerful would he be? Because he wouldn't be fighting himself while fighting everything else. I think all his plans would go forth quicker. He'd have even bigger plans. And he has the talent. Or do you think that because of this personality issue, he is so brilliant? Yeah, I like what you said there because when you first started talking, I was like, oh, yeah. And then I thought, no, he probably wouldn't be at all the person he is here. We might not get any of this. Because as we're seeing, some of the things he's needed to do, he's needed to be bold, a little bit crazy, willing to take risks and sacrifice others. That's Mr. Robot. Only Mr. Robot is able to do those things. Yeah. And that's the part he's never been able to integrate. If he was just Elliot, he probably wouldn't be willing to go Hmm. so far. Um, On the other hand, there's a part of me that misses, and I know it's so cliche and stereotypical, but the season one baseline Elliot, who just wants to do good with his hacking, and he's offended by the types of moral decisions that Mr. Robot suggests. He doesn't realize that's part of himself yet. And it it grates against him. You know, no, we're not going to blow up buildings. What are you talking about? That's nuts. We don't do those things. You're right. I mean, just thinking about the opening scene when he's in that restaurant talking to the uh, owner. Mm -hmm. That was like a hero moment. So Sam started us off with Elliot as a hero. And then slowly grates him away, like you were saying. Yeah, he makes him a lot more gray by showing us this person you thought was not part of him is, in fact, Elliot as well. So now what do you think about your main character? And I wonder where this will go, because it seems to suggest that season one was more Elliot Season two was them battling each other. And I think season three will be more Mr. Robot. I think he's really taking the driver's seat now. And Mm -hmm. I was almost in denial of that until I started to think more about the season as a whole and some of the things I'm going to read to you later. I really think this was Mr. Robot winning the chess match at the end of the last episode here. Uh, Yeah, you might be right. Unless it was the past. Right. Right. The big question. three days. Yeah. Um, This is part of my fun fact, but it goes along with what you were saying as far as season three. Sam Esmail told Deadline that season three will be about disintegration as Elliot and Mr. Robot slip further apart. Yes, I have some of that about the progression and how Esmail looks at the show. I think now is a good time to bring it up. First of all, he says he sees this as a five-season piece now. There will be five acts. (laughs) So we know we're going to go at least to season five. But also that he looks at each season as the stages of Elliot's evolution. 
So even more important than the plot is what's going on with him internally. This is how Esmail sees the stages. Season one was about Elliot's journey, his realization and awareness of who is Mr. Robot and how does that relate to him. Season two was about the battle, the discovery that it's not possible to destroy Mr. Robot. And season three, exactly what you said about the disintegration. What does it look like now that these two are completely not on the same page, but truly split apart? Mm. What will that mean? He also spoke about both Tyrell and Angela. And I thought what he had to say was really interesting. A couple of listeners wrote in and asked us if we had watched these interviews. So I didn't get a chance to actually listen to them, but I looked up some of the transcripts. In reference to Tyrell, he said it was important to keep him out of season two so that Elliot could have this journey with Mr. Robot. Once Tyrell comes back, it blows the whole thing up. Whether Mr. Robot lied to Elliot or withheld it from him, the show becomes about that and the plot machinations, not what Elliot's emotionally going through in terms of his serious disorder, is what takes center stage. We'll see more of him, though, in season three. Oh, for sure. They won't take him away from us again. That makes sense. That was the big plot hook. Where did Tyrell go? How does this figure in? And he had to keep him out that long so that we wouldn't focus on that. You're right. Everyone was asking, where is Tyrell? But immediately when he comes in, it moves the plot forward. And we needed to see this journey of Elliot. You know, when you put it that way, I couldn't see it any other way. Mm -hmm. It makes complete sense. He had to fill in a lot of holes. He had to introduce some new characters. He had to let us dive deeper into characters that we already knew. Yes, and he talked about that in the interview, realizing that he had... initially envisioned it as a movie Mm -hmm. it was just the Elliot show all the time but the more he wrote about it the more these other characters came to light and they started to flesh out and he saw it more as a tv show and Ryan was just talking about that I believe last podcast that he saw that as one of the highlights of season two getting the more intense look at our F Society characters at Angela at White Rose I totally agree with that wholeheartedly So speaking of Angela, Esmail said, you can't quite read what side she's on, and this just doubles down for us, meaning in season two. Now she's part of a group we would have never expected, meaning Dark Army. She's shifted once again, but is this an alliance with or against Elliot? That's something we're going to play with in an interesting way in season three. Meaning we won't know until the end of season three. Yeah, so if you didn't like all that guesswork about Angela, I don't think that's going to end anytime soon. And Portia Doubleday herself said, something definitely transpired in the last episode. Whatever White Rose said to her, there is a switch that flipped in her. Also, Angela feels like she has to control Elliot, but at the same time, she loves him very much. Hmm. So they are switch keeping that her... Flipped. Reprogramming. Yeah. I I don't think they're robots, but it's some kind of programming going on. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, whether that's mental, physical, mechanical. Or religious, like Jamal says. Yeah. Sorry to bring up religious again. That one fan that didn't like that. Well, (laughs) when the show itself tells you it blatantly over and over again, you sort of have to look at that. Yeah, definitely. And I agree. I kept saying... She has been converted. She somehow saw the light of whatever it is White Rose believes in. And 
After that, with her concluding scene, she's in a different place. And we'll get to that ending scene later, but we're definitely going to flip-flop a lot more on Angela and not exactly know where she stands. I don't know how I like her. I don't know. <laughs> New poll. Do you like Angela? <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, you know what's something I realized at the end of the season? That Elliot does not say hello, friend, once. And that was like the key phrase of season one. Yeah, I don't know if we are his quote-unquote friend anymore. Maybe we're not. He's gone through some emotional journeys with us this season, in addition to Mr. Robot and everyone else. Yeah. He didn't trust us. He was hiding things from us visually, that he was in jail. But then he said, let's be friends again. But then shit goes downhill real quick. And I don't know if he's going to, is he going to blame us for the shot, being shot? Well, he might question us again. Did we see this coming? What happened? And that's all assuming that this is happening in a linear progression, which we wondered that a lot. Does this shootout scene actually take place in the past? And we will get to that a little bit later. I know that's not a common feeling, but I could see it being just as likely as anything else. And we were also told by Asmail, the follow-up scene with Angela making the phone call Mm -hmm. does not take place immediately after the Elliot scene. Oh, okay. So we don't know if that's five minutes, five days. Oh. Five months. Five months. You know? It could Maybe have he's... nothing to do with him getting shot. You're right. It might be something else that happened, and that's why Ty- Tyrell's crying. Mm-hmm. And she's like, we'll wake him up. Maybe he's sleeping. <laughs> yeah, and it could support our theory that this might have happened in the last three days. That's right. And that he was actually fine. After this, for whatever reason, he didn't really get shot or somebody's going to bring up another theory later. But this could be in reference to something we don't even know about yet. Yeah. Season two. Oh, I hope it's not this way, but season two might have all been a dream or a lie hmm. to us. We wondered that. You know, this whole lucid dreaming theory, the ending of season one playing on our ideas with reality, and then this entire season sort of bouncing around with that idea. None of the prison stuff being real, the 80s sitcom throwback, White Rose coming in and saying what's real and what's not, and you got the key to the door all along. I don't think Esmail would go as simple as it's all a dream with nothing more to it, but if you can think of a complex, more robot-like explanation of that i think it's possible maybe elliot's parts are just a dream or parts of it at or least skewed reality yeah yeah there was a lot to uncover in this season so i went back and looked at my episode notes and pulled out some of my favorite quotes that i think really struck home in retrospect as okay. far as how they relate to things nice the first one is elliot And he says, how do I take a mask off when it stops being a mask, when it's as much a part of me as I am? This is why I'm different. Sometimes my mask takes over. Hmm. Ooh, what could that mean? So that feels very much like his conflict with Mr. Robot, which he sees as this mask that he wears. You know, he puts on the mask, he puts on the jacket, he transforms when we first see him. In the flashback. In the flashback scene. And now that mask, the persona, is taking over. He's losing control. It's part of who he is. He can't 
put it on and pull it off at will anymore. Are you saying it's like when our parents would say, don't cross your eyes because they get stuck that way? <laughs> it's getting stuck. The mask <laughs> won't come off. Along those lines, at some point, Elliot says, what happens if I lose it? And Robot replies, I get to be in charge once and for all. When was that? Sometime mid-season this season. So I've been kicking and screaming against this. Mr. Robot is sinister and he's really trying to take over and for no other reason than he has plans. It's not to protect Elliot. I didn't want to believe that. But the end of the season almost leaves you with no doubt about it. Hmm. He just wants to be in charge and Elliot's not complying. And it seems the clues were there all along. There are some other interesting things from other characters as well. At one point, if you remember, when Angela went to speak with Mr. Price on the way out, he notices that she always looks at that painting on the wall. Mm -hmm. And he says to her, do you find it as fascinating as I do, how a man can change the whole world with a bullet in the right place? Oh, So, of course, he was speaking of previous history. Right. And we kind of figured at the time it would be foreshadowing, but we didn't know what for or how important. Is that what we've seen at the end of this season? I totally forgot about that. And we actually specifically spoke about it in the podcast. Yeah. I bet there's a million things like that that everyone's forgot. That's why I started going through my old notes. And I I only pulled five. I'm sure there's a hundred that we could look back on. And I'm sure many people have said... The further down this road you go by the end of season three, if you go back and start watching all the seasons all over again, there are probably so many more layers of meaning to uncover. But for now, I definitely wonder if we have seen the whole world changing with the shot being fired from Tyrell. We also heard Angela say, I place myself in alignment with the things I want. I dissolve all false messages. My beliefs create my own reality. All of my dreams are coming true right now. This was, of course, her affirmations to herself. But it's interesting looking back that she says both, I dissolve all false messages. So we're speaking only of truth now. And my beliefs create my own reality. And this is exactly the conversation she has with White Rose later, where she's asking her, have you ever willed something into existence? Mm just by believing it. And is this really reality? Is the door really locked? Is what you're seeing the truth? And then they continue on with this amazing conversation that we don't get to hear. But people say it's nuts to go down this alternate reality parallel universe thing. Is it when you have messages like this being given to you throughout the season? (laughs) Shit. And finally, you have Ray saying... Existence can be beautiful or it can be ugly, but that's on you. Dream, find out the future you're fighting for, close your eyes, and envision it. So almost another play on that, what you dream you can make real. You're right. And if we remember one of Elliot's dreams in this season was that he was outside in the middle of a city street sitting down to a meal with all the people he never thought he'd be back together with while a building collapsed in the background. And they're, they're happy as hell. And we completely forgot to mention that on the last episode when they're talking about blowing up the building, that we did, in fact, see that happening. Oh, you're right. I didn't even piece that together. Was it the same kind of building? I wonder. 
But that means subconsciously he knew about phase two. Yes. It was part of his plan all along. And, you know, he was on a subconscious level. Again, had he only realized this lucid dreaming thing earlier, he Hmm. might have been privy to all these plans. But you kind of wonder if the rest of that now might come true in some fashion. Yeah. I miss Ray. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he was a good character. He brought us some strong words of wisdom like that often. I often have to think of my life that way. As far as, you know, I could go one day with it being as busy as the next day. But if I approach the day with negativity as if everything I have to do is a chore, I'm going to be miserable that day. Instead of some days I wake up and I think about, you know, oh, I'm going to design the new podcast channel and I'm going to edit the last podcast we did and we're going to get that up and then do my client work and blah, blah, blah. Or mm-hmm. I could be like, oh, I got to do a new fucking design and I got to, you know, yeah, and you've positive, seen me like that. Positive yeah. versus negative self-talk. <laughs> Everybody does this in their own minds, right? And that's what's so powerful about what Angie's doing all season is she is subscribing to that and she needs to speak positively in her own mind to believe those things. Yeah. And I guess we, everyone has to do that. Yeah. Or is that just lying to ourselves so that we don't go crazy? No, that's, <laughs> that's one of the techniques that I teach people as a therapist. Yeah. Um, these messages that you should continue to repeat in your head because if you believe in things like CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, mm-hmm. the whole premise is that everything starts with our thoughts. So if you have a negative thought, eventually that's going to make you feel negatively, have a negative emotion, which will impact your behaviors Uh, what you do, and eventually that dictates your life. So in order to change that, you have to go all the way back to the first stop on that train Mm. and have it change track, and you wind up at a completely different destination. So you're saying everyone's alarm should be uh, that song from that movie. Everything is awesome. (laughs) I love that song. That probably would help if that was my theme song. I wish that was my theme song. Speaking of good feelings, I think you have some fun facts to share with us. Yes, I do. B.D. Wong has been nominated for the 2016 Cinema Awards for Best Guest Starring in a Drama Series. I'm glad that he's going to get some recognition. Yeah, we'll talk about the awards in general from this year for Mr. Robot a little later on. Then I, I just want to talk to you guys about what we have on our Twitter feed. I've been doing some digging. I got some good stuff. We have on our Twitter a deleted scene from Mr. Robot. Season one, when Joanna and Tyrell discuss birth plans. Really? Yeah, it's pretty cool. I would uh, have you guys listen to it now, but they're speaking in that other language. Oh, okay. So you'd have to read the words on the screen, so that won't work very well. I also have a link to bloopers from season one. It's pretty funny. I haven't seen any of this stuff. <laughs> I know. Uh, Rami, one of the scenes in the bloopers is uh, Rami is with the dog. And he starts, like, cuddling with the dog. And I think the director, whoever was directing that episode, was like, Rami. And he's like, come on. <laughs> it was pretty funny. <laughs> and uh, also, when Mr. Robot Christian was talking to uh, the F Society, uh, so they're not supposed to talk to him because he's not there. Sure. And he asks them a question. They answer. And he's like, you're not supposed to answer me, assholes. <laughs> it's pretty funny. So there's some good spots on that. Check that out. And uh, lastly, I have a link on there for Rami Malek's Emmy backstage speech. You should check it out. It's like seven minutes long. It's, he gets like one-on-one time. He gets to really talk about 
how he feels about Mr. Robot. Oh, that's nice. Definitely a good watch. And a bunch of other things. So if you guys want to check that out, go to Twitter, at CKC Podcast. Speaking of awards, as you guys already know, Rami Malek won his first Emmy for uh, Best Lead Actor. Yeah, Outstanding Lead Actor in a Drama Series, the coveted Emmy win. And let's geek out. I know you guys have seen it before, but let's geek out and watch it again as he gets yeah, his award. Do it. It goes to Rami Malek. Oh, look at his face. Yeah. <laughs> Right now, what, what's like going on in this throw up. It's the first Emmy win and nomination Is he pointing for Rami Malek. Probably Sam or Christian. Speaks well for being in front of that many people. Oh, my God. Oh. Please tell me you're seeing this too. Oh, I love that. Oh my oh. God. Oh, thank you. I thank you to the Academy and everyone who gave me a chance to to play this role. Bonnie Hammer and Jeff Wachtel and 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 Chris McCumber and Steve Golan and Chad Hamilton. Um, oh, I am honored to be recognized with such a distinguished and accomplished group of actors. Um, I'm honored to stand here and represent my family and every single person who's helped me get this far. I'm honored to work with a pure visionary in Sam Esmail. I wouldn't be here without you. To uh, go to work with an absurdly gifted cast and a crew and my writers. Um, I play... I play a, a young man who is, uh, I think like so many of us, profoundly alienated. And uh, the unfortunate thing is, I'm not sure how many of us would want to hang out with a guy like Elliot. Uh, but I want to honor the Elliots, right? Because there's a little bit of Elliot in all of us, isn't there? Okay. Thank you. Uh, you awesome. know what's amazing about that? He looked truly astounded yeah that he won <laughs> he really wasn't expecting it and yet he had the presence of mind to deliver this incredible speech mm. i thought it was the best of the night oh i did too and this is so geeky but i felt like we were winning kind oh, of oh yeah <laughs> because there were amazing actors mm -hmm. for amazing performances up there and you could easily see even though he so deserved it how he could not get it yeah in some alternate reality. And these Emmys were so much better than the Oscars. Like, movies, uh, shows are so much better than movies nowadays, it feels like. And there's the actors, we know all them. I guess because we watch them for week after week after week, so we feel like we know the characters better than just watching a two-hour movie. Yeah, well, that, and we talked about how TV has just gotten so much more amazing in recent years, so... You feel like you're watching a lot more of that than you are movies. That's what yeah. you're excited to see. I never used to be excited about the Emmys growing up. Me neither. And this year, not only did Mr. Robot take that home, but Matt Quayle got outstanding music composition for a series. And we've done yes, nothing but right. rave about him and his scoring the entire season. He creates the ambiance very well. Yeah, and at the <laughs> Golden Globes, uh, Mr. Robot got Best TV Series Drama. 
another coveted position, and Best Supporting Actor went to Christian Slater. Nice. In addition, it took home a bunch more. I'll just rattle off some of the big ones and not so big ones. Satellite Awards, Christian Slater got Best Supporting Actor. Writers Guild of America, Mr. Robot got Best New Series. I don't know how that happened because it's not really new anymore. But what was this last year, maybe? No, 2016. I'm only giving you the current ones. Huh. Uh, Critics' Choice, they got Best Drama Series. Rami Malek got Best Actor in a Drama Series, and Christian Slater got Best Supporting Actor. And it also said TCA Awards, Outstanding New Program. Why is it new? Huh. So I'm not sure, but they definitely got a fair amount. They got recognized for the incredible performances, both with the actors and with the series. Like you said, there wasn't a lot of room for other people to take anything home. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad to hear that B.D. Wong got recognized elsewhere. You know what? Maybe some of these, I'm speaking out of turn here, but maybe some of these award shows were earlier in the year. Mm -hmm. So they do awards for 2015 in the 2016 award. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, that's probably it. There was also a quote from Rami Malek. I'm not even sure who he said this to, but it was really touching. He said, I grew up in a family that immigrated here. My dad worked door to door to sell insurance, and my mom was pregnant with my brother and I, taking three buses to go to work so they could give their children the opportunity to be special. I think a lot of people can relate to wanting an opportunity. I wanted one, and now I have it. I just want everyone, no matter how you grew up, the socioeconomic standard you were born into, to have an opportunity regardless, like I've been given a chance. Actually, he says that in the speech that we have on Twitter, oh, the backstage speech. So you can check that out. Also, I, I have a quote from Rami Malik. He says, the Coffee Class Crew podcast is, hold on, I'm reading this small text, <laughs> the best show I have ever heard. So shout out to him. That was great. We give him the CKC <laughs> award. I actually am going to give him a, an award now. We're going to go into our Who Stole the Season This is basically our favorite character, our Mm -hmm. MVP, whatever you want to call it, for season two. I'm going to be kind of tricksy about this because I don't feel like I can just give it to one person. For the journey, for the entire season two, I give it to Elliot. (laughs) Me too. However, I also have my favorite scene and my favorite episode. Me too. Oh, and I have my other favorite character because I felt like it was too obvious to say Elliot. Okay, great. So for my favorite scene, I have the White Rose Angela scene. Okay. Where they're talking in the room together. There's just so much packed into that. When I say I was looking for more answers this season, that's Mm. really what I wanted more of. That meet that was happening between Angela and White Rose. I was thrilled during that scene. I loved it. Well, my favorite character is Elliot, but to not be obvious, I have another favorite character. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll be surprised about this. Dom is my favorite character. I could see you saying that, but tell me why. Okay. She was the counterbalance to F Society. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a badass bitch, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, Dark Army is the quiet killer. We, we never know if they did it, Romero, right? Turns out they didn't do that to yeah. Romero. Um, I say quiet killer. Obviously, when they want to kill, they show us. They just pull up and just start shooting. But, Machine gun style. Yeah. But we don't know what their purpose is. Are they good? Are they bad? Are we rooting for them? Are mm-hmm. we not rooting for them? But with Dom, we know exactly what her goal is. Take down the bad guy, right? Mm-hmm. 
So I think that was kind of like a a nice. We needed some of that in Mr. Robot because there's so much unknown. So it's good to have a, a character where we know what's going on. I mean, Angela, we don't know, right? Back yeah. and forth, back and forth. Dom, we know what her goal is. I hear that. At the same time, I wonder if that's going to be her direction moving forward. I always thought there could be more to her and she could maybe go rogue or be turned. They show her being very true FBI at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. On the trail, knowing more than we ever thought she did. But I still wonder about what her boss has going on, if he's 100% true, if she's going to be able to keep following up on this. It seems like she's got Darlene nailed, but I'm still waiting for that something else. I think something else will happen. And I might... Uh, uh, Ryan said in the beginning of the season, she's going to be on our side. Yeah, I might like her more if she's a little gray, to be honest. They've been giving us this picture of a Dom all season. That is not your typical heroic type of character she's got all these quirky things that she does she's so socially awkward very much like elliot Mm -hmm. she's alone very much like elliot she's sort of sad and miserable at times and yet super smart there is a lot of parallels to the elliot character self-proclaimed the same as darlene i really think we could get (laughs) some more gray to that and i'm anxious for it yeah I have a few other reasons. Uh, she's the only character in the show where we got to see her behind the curtain, per se. Mm-hmm. Like, how does she act or feel when she's not, try- when she's not out there uh, doing her job, when she's trying to relax? Who does she speak to outside of her work life, Alexa? You know, um, sexcapades online. It's not sexcapade. Kind of like sex talk. Yeah, I, know, I think we saw more vulnerabilities from her than yes. anybody else except Elliot. That's what I mean. Exactly. Plus, she was part of one of my favorite scenes this season. Mm-hmm. When the Dark Army shot up the snack room in China. That, that scene was epic. We got to see, if you remember, place yourself in that. She's having a chat with someone. Mm-hmm. Just a nonchalant chat. And all of a sudden, bam, bam, bam. And then we see her jump behind the table. Mm-hmm. And then we start to see the cameras like as if we're her eyes. Mm-hmm. It was very cool. Yeah, that was epically filmed. And I loved the plot of that. I loved the action. But as far as character highlights, we got the talk between her and White Rose, which I loved White Rose's side of that. I was not super high on Dom's performance there. Mm. It felt very sterile. Clearly, she was holding back. It was probably supposed to feel like that. Yeah. But because of that, I truly liked the scene with her and Alexa because that just felt very honest and true and gritty. Do you love me? And I thought her acting there was was great. And uh, lastly, we were only introduced to her this season. Doesn't it feel like she's always been a part of the story somehow? Yeah. So that's my favorite character. Well, in my favorite episode, I went back. I know that you would probably say the 80s throwback episode. And I remember saying... 80s, 90s. 80s, 90s, right. Yeah. I remember you saying this would be your favorite because of that and that I really loved it, but kind of the rest of the episode fell short for me, so I wound up rating it slightly below. My highest rating in looking back was episode eight, Successor, Okay, which did not have a lot of breakout moments. This is where in the beginning we're in the coffee shop and we get introduced to how F Society started. And I loved that with Darlene bringing the message to Mobley and Trenton from Elliot. Hmm. This is what he has to say. Yes, that was good. We saw... In that song. Angela getting vulnerable maybe for the first time during her karaoke performance at the bar. 
We saw all of the crazy action going on with the kidnap of Susan Jacobs. We saw a Darlene versus Cisco showdown at the end of the episode, hmm. wondering if she had killed him. There's just a lot of quiet moments, progression in a really good but subtle way, going back to filling in some of the gaps for us. I think it's maybe an underrated but great episode of the season. Okay, we've been talking a lot about season two, what we liked, some of the highlights. However, if you remember, one of the things that I was a little bit frustrated with were how many unanswered questions we have going into season three. Mm -hmm. So I went back and I thought about what were some of the really big ones that I'm hoping we get some follow-up on for season three. One of them is what we already talked about. Will Mr. Robot take total control? And maybe we won't see that much of Elliot in season three at all. Hmm. Elliot is in the baseline. And going further than that, what will that mean for F society? Have they really been sort of a pawn of the Dark Army to manipulate them to doing what they want to do and then, you know, White Rose will take back up with their bigger plan? Or are they in league together? What is White Rose's bigger purpose? I mean, what is the Washington Township plant? What is White Rose and Price's schedule two? Because they referred to that, the next step in their plan. Does it relate to the stage two or is it something different? How about what is White Rose? Sure. Time Lord something? (laughs) Absolutely. And what is reality? We talked about that. We can't trust our own eyes. What is the driving force of Elliot? So I think we still have some unanswered questions about what really happened in his past. And I don't know that we'll ever fully get that. I don't really anticipate it in season three. But I would love to know, did his dad really push him out of the window? Was Darlene actually abused? Did Elliot's dissociation start all the way back then? And why does he forget his sister? We still don't really know any of that. Also, think about his mom. The way he depicted his mom treating him. In when he's hiding the fact that he's in jail, is that because she's a guard, so she was that way, or is it because that's how he views his mom too? Watching TV, can't really be bothered, you know? Yeah, and if they were treated so differently, if Darlene was this seriously abused and Elliot not, why was that? Mm-hmm. How did that impact them later? Why do we see him, the one displaying all these mental problems, and not so much Darlene, although we get a love probably one of my most favorite things from this season was getting that look a little bit where Darlene tells us the story about the childhood and being kidnapped and what that meant to her. Yeah. And all these little looks back. I like getting that fleshed out character backstory. Me too. We also talked about will Angela be on Elliot's side now? What did this last scene really mean? And how does that figure into the big picture? So what happened to Elliot and Angela's parents? What is White Rose talking about that they made this sacrifice for the greater good of humanity? How does that play into them currently? Are Elliot and Angela different because of this in some way? And finally, either way, no matter where all of this goes, so, you know, will E-Corp continue to stay a step ahead or will wiping out the paper records really take them down What is this going to mean to the future of America? We saw a lot of chaos, but it was sort of a slow burn, even slower maybe than what I would expect if this happened Mm -hmm. in real life. Things are falling apart, but kind of at a controlled pace because I think people are still assuming this is temporary right? and it'll get back to normal. If they go through with this, are we going to see just complete anarchy in the streets? Perception is the key to power, right? 
Yeah, and the question I've been bringing up a lot, does F Society have a plan for any of that rebuilding? So once they take this last step in decimating them, what comes next? F Society doesn't, but White Rose does. Right. Yeah, I believe that's true. So a lot of questions that I'm eager to get some answers to in season three. Any that I didn't cover for you? Yeah. Uh, the whole scene with him getting shot, was that during hmm. the three days of nothingness? Or yeah. did that really happen just now? And if so, how are they going to heal him? Mm-hmm. What was Mr. Robot? Was that Mr. Robot's plan? All that stuff. And uh, what's up with Angela? <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a million questions. What's up with Angela? And that brings us into Clatcher's comments. We did have some people wondering some of these same questions. Mm-hmm. One of the big ones being, was Elliot actually shot at the end of this episode? We talked about some of our thoughts on that, what we could have been seeing. New listener Brad wrote into us saying he's finally caught up with season two of Mr. Robot and the podcast. And he's wondering, was Elliot shot at all? Could it be that the gun fired at Elliot was loaded with blanks or another non-lethal round that mimics a wound? So, i.e., it's red paint, it's something other than blood that huh. we're seeing at the end. When I first heard that, I thought, oh, there's so many things, though, that would lead you to believe it's true. But he goes on to flesh out that theory a bit. He talks about the fact that Elliot is never consciously aware of the gun that we see. Darlene knows about it, but we don't think Elliot does. So if he doesn't, it's really only Mr. Robot that knows about it, and it would have given him time to replace the cartridges in the gun with blanks at some point if this does, in fact, follow a linear time frame, what we're seeing at the end. This also might explain the shell casing that we found in the F Society building. Perhaps Mr. Robot fired off some real bullets at some point, but has since then replaced them with blanks. He also brings up the really big point that I've thought about and I think we brought it up that we've seen Elliot shot with a fictional gun. We've seen Mr. Robot shoot him. And in Elliot's perception in the beginning, it left a mark he thought. He wore a bandage around his head. That's right. Even yes. though he wasn't actually hurt. And they lead <laughs> us to believe that the first time he got shot, he really was convinced that he was killed or he was hurt. He was in shock. He describes it to us later. It's only once he realizes, and it happens a couple of times, that he's not going to get hurt, that he doesn't react that way. Right. So we could be seeing a similar repeat of that. He has some more thoughts on that. But also, Vicky wrote in, mirroring that similar question, and she was asking about what we mentioned when these scenes took place. So if we're looking at something that's in the past, how do we explain that the casing was found in the Fun Society building, but the gun was supposedly shot in the warehouse? Right. And she's feeling confusion around that, around the bullet casing, around the fact that we see blood. And let's not forget that his whole getting to that scene, to that location, was with him doing the the out-of-body, out-of-mind thing. Mm -hmm. And we are left to assume that once he says, where's Mr. Robot? Where's he going? Oh, that's right. He's me. That he's like woken up there and it's real world. Yeah. This could all be this out-of-body, out-of-mind thing where he's remembering those three days. Right. Out-of-body, out-of-mind, he's doing to recall subconscious things that Mr. Robot did. Right. So he sees Mr. Robot doing that cipher. At the beginning of the scene, we think he's flashing back to season one where he goes on to repeat the same speech that he said back then, the same words that he had with Tyrell. 
So it would actually only be logical if they're continuing to follow that time frame that Elliot's uncovering all of that, including the three days going back to the Fun Society building. So how do I explain it looking like a warehouse? Well, there's a lot of ways you could explain this. I mean, Elliot's shown us his mother's house when it's actually a prison. I think it's entirely likely that that could be happening that way. I also think it's entirely likely they could have started out at the Fun Society building at some point. Mm -hmm. Rounds could have gotten shot off at some point that we don't know about while Mr. Robot was in control. And then they moved on to the warehouse. Yeah. I mean, I really think that's not totally out yet. I don't know about the weapon being loaded with blanks. I would say no, unless this is part of White Rose's plan, as I had thought. If she figures into that somehow and has asked either Mr. Robot or Tyrell to carry through on it, then perhaps she has a plan that involves this not really being... I I said, I don't really think Elliot got shot there. (laughs) And how is that possible? It's possible if it's not real. It's possible if we're looking at a flashback to the past and he's already recovered. Or it's possible if it's a Matrix-type situation, if this is a virtual reality, if it's a parallel universe, or if White Rose said load the freaking bullet with blanks. (laughs) There's a lot of ways that can happen. You're right. One of the biggest ones you have to consider is that somehow we are looking at a metaphor. So as Brad has suggested, as we've looked at before, the first time we saw, and, and as Vicky said, the first time we saw these shootings happen... It was Mr. Robot trying to get rid of Elliot. Maybe psychologically, it's just a repeat. Yeah, now that he has him off guard. Yeah. Thinking that they're on the same team. And he finally won. He won because he, he knocked him out. He finally won. So we do have Sam saying, again, that season three is about disintegration as Elliot and Mr. Robot slip further apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's some kind of representation of Mr. Robot taking over, but I also think White Rose plays in somehow. Even if the Angie scene does not take place immediately after, Mm -hmm. she's marching to the orders, and that figures in with Elliot in some way. So we've always known she's been part of the bigger plan. You know what would be cool and a good change of pace? If the first couple episodes is just Mr. Robot, and we get a lot of screen time for Christian, and then it's... Elliot fighting back and every yeah. so often seeing Elliot. That's exactly what I was forecasting when I yeah. say I think we'll just see Mr. Robot. I think right. that's exactly the way it'll happen. Oh. You know, we saw him being the silent observer at the end here. Yes. I think we're going to get more of that in the beginning, like you said, just Mr. Robot trying to exert his control and then Elliot coming in the way Robot did this season. Exactly. Also, in reference to this episode, Don't forget that walking into the warehouse scene, Elliot gave us a whole speech about the unreliability of his senses. Scott wrote in to remind us about this multiple purpose thing. He says he thinks it was a statement about the scene's reliability. I think it was also a general statement about us as humans, he goes on to say. Our eyes as inputs, but also filters. Same with ears, nose, mouth. On top of those filters, which necessarily both expand limits of what we know, We all have cognitive filters, too. That's why we can see, read, or hear the same thing and interpret it differently. Reality is partly what we decide it is. So he thinks the skew on reality is more what you're projecting onto it. Okay. And Like Ray said. Correct. Like we've heard a bunch. So Elliot walked into that warehouse telling us, I can't believe any of my senses right now. Yeah. I.e., don't trust me. (laughs) Um, And he thinks that extends to the season on a greater level. 
I like that. Who is that? That's Scott. Thank you, Scott. We have some awesome fans. They know their shit. We also had a listener write in with a great parallel that I hadn't noticed because I haven't seen this movie. Sadly enough, I'm probably going <laughs> to get criticized for it, but I'm not a huge Tom Cruise fan. Sonny wrote in. He's a new listener as well. Welcome, Sonny. He asks, do you think the Tom Cruise poster being punched and torn at the end of the last episode is a nod to the movie Vanilla Sky? In that movie, Tom Cruise's character David gets his face messed up in a car accident and isn't sure what is real. In the end, he finds out it's a lucid dream he's in that he purchased as a way to escape reality. But ultimately, the program has a glitch that turns his dream into a nightmare. Doesn't this seem to be similar to Elliot's lucid dream? It also makes me think of your theories on time, a parallel universe, etc. Perhaps there's a parallel if White Rose knows of an alternate reality, just as David and Vanilla Sky knew of one. It's been a long time since I've seen that movie. Uh, I don't remember the ins and outs. It was in 2001. But if that's the case, it does sound very parallel with it. It sounds fantastic, and I hadn't realized this was a Tom Cruise poster. I didn't see that. Oh, I saw that. That he was punching in the background. And like I say, I never saw the movie, but I think that fits in very nicely with what we're talking about here. By the way, you remember the hazmat suit guy? Yes. Who led us into the elevator? Wade wrote in to tell us we missed this. We were talking about the guy eating the sandwich. That he was there when Elliot met White Rose for the first time. That's right, yes. In season one. And also season one, episode seven, Mr. Robot said something interesting to Romero after pulling a gun on him. You gave me your word that you would see this through, and I gave you mine for what would happen if you didn't. Yes, that's right. So I missed. This is why it's great to go back and thank you guys for pointing out these things because I completely forgot. Yeah, this was a mixture of emails to us and Twitter. Wade was on from Twitter. Yeah. So uh, two easy ways to get in contact with us, Twitter at CKC Podcast and email contact at coffeeclatchcrew.com. I want to give a shout out to Fan Correct for leaving us a kick-ass review on our Coffee Clats Crew channel on iTunes. Mm-hmm. And we had a listener ask us if they don't have iTunes, if they can leave a review. And unfortunately, I did some research. You need to have an iTunes account, which sucks. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's easy to make an iTunes account, but that's, I don't want to ask you to do that. Just leave a review. But thank you for the sentiment anyways. And Twitter, we have another comment from at the Rangool. Now that season two is over, I don't know what I will miss more. The at CKC podcast reviews for Mr. Robot or the show itself. So thank you. That, that means a lot. That's so nice because we got just a few negative reviews yeah. on our iTunes, which we'll get to in a few minutes, but overwhelmingly positive, And that makes it all worthwhile. Okay, we have a few more comments. One of them from Lewis, just talking about the season in general. He says, he just caught up, and all I can say is, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) (laughs) Um, If season one was predictably fun, this season could be summed up as an unpredictable mindfuck. These last two episodes have been so intense. The whole season, I've been quick to disregard your crazy ideas of robots and time travel or alternate realities, and all I can say is, sorry, I have no idea what can happen now. The stuff that's going on with Tyrell, Angie and White Rose, the stuff between Darlene and Dom, which was perfectly played with Dom thinking she had everything figured out while Darlene was completely shocked to see Tyrell and not Elliot as the main mastermind. The realization on Elliot's face when he figures out Tyrell is still alive while he looks at the blood, 
This is the reason why Rami won the Emmy, <laughs> he says, by the way. I'm beyond pleased with how the overall season turned out. I'm glad they did those nods to Back to the Future during episode 11. It's my favorite movie. Can't hear what you guys have to say. P.S. I knew it was Scott Knowles, and boy, did he F up. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so and that, that reminds that. me, again, the Back to the Future yes. the episode before. Talking about going back in time. Mm-hmm. So, again, that could be an indicator of it being in the three days that we have a hole in. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty strong on that the yeah. more I think about it. Me too. And finally, Amelia wrote in to point us to the Sam Asmail interviews, which was part of what I read. And one of the main points was him saying, quote, Tyrell loves Elliot. The interesting thing about Tyrell and Elliot is that they have this bond, this connection. That's what we set up in that first scene, actually the first time they met in the pilot. They have this relationship where they connect on a much deeper level. And when we shot him, he was literally in tears. That conversation when he tells Angela he loves him, it's true. From Tyrell's perspective, he really does love this person. He feels that he gives him the fulfillment he's always been looking for in life. What if literally the guy we're supposed to hate actually loves our hero? And there isn't this sort of conventional antagonistic relationship that they have. That it's out of love as opposed to hate that there's friction. That there's this battle. So... Amelia says it was interesting to hear our interpretation of this scene, given that a lot of people took it as a romantic thing that was happening with Martin Wallstrom, mentioning Tyrell's feelings for Elliot a lot and Sam acknowledging these underlying dynamics of the past. But I still think, listening to Sam's words, Mm -hmm. that he could be speaking of it the way we are. That, you know, it's this fulfillment, it's a connection on a deeper level. To me, that's more disciple love than romantic love me too so i'm gonna stick by what i said in the last episode i think that's how i see the connection i agree but thank you amelia for pointing that out it was nice to hear sam's actual words on that okay that's all the specific emails and twitters we have for today but thanks to everybody that wrote in over the course of the entire season the interaction was really wonderful like i said we also got a lot of reviews yes So we're picking our top two because, again, we love to give you the broad range. So we'll read our most negative and one of our favorite positives. There were so many good positives. So uh, if you're not the one that we picked, remember, we could only pick one. It was basically like picking at random. I mean, (laughs) they were all amazing. But I got to say, the negative one stands out, and it probably should for me. It hurts. Well... Yeah. Let's start with the negatives. So I'll we try to bring the humor into it. Okay. I'll start you off with this one. Also, we got to say this is really our first negative review that we've gotten. We had one that called us a bit of a snooze fest. It's fine. It's not for everybody. And another one that wasn't high on our theory building. And that's not going to be for everybody. I'm fine right. with that. I completely understand every podcast is different. Yes. And we try to bring our own flavor. If you appreciate it, we love it. Uh, but this... Review says, I really hope they either drop the girl next season, (laughs) the girl, or that someone else makes an in-depth podcast like this one. Clearly, someone that listens to these kind of podcasts enjoys the show and doesn't want to listen to two plus hours of someone acting like they're either smarter than the creators or like the show is supposed to be catered just for her. The guys are good and able to add humor to it, which is always appreciated. If I were to rate this based on their content, it would be five stars, no doubt about it. But she gave us one star. Listen, I understand 
you can have opinions. Honestly, we can't let everyone love us or make everyone love us. But mm -hmm. it sounds like this person only heard that one podcast, which was the last one that we did. Yeah. Because if anyone listens to all of them, they know that you love Mr. Robot. Yeah, I rate nines and above mostly. And again, it goes back to how we started this podcast saying that, you know, we can't just be everything is perfect and we love everything because it wouldn't be interesting. Yeah, honestly, I've, I've listened to those podcasts and I really don't appreciate them. You know, even podcasts that I generally like, I, I feel like perhaps they've gotten a lot of these same write-ins and, and tried just, to kind of yeah. mold it to everyone and that leaves a sort of vanilla feeling mm -hmm. that they're just there to, to kind of worship. Yeah, and a good conversation has different point of views. Yeah, so I knew that by being the one that brings up some of the things that yeah. are small critiques, I might get a little bit of hate. Um, I'm okay with that. I am not here to kind of rant about it on a podcast. Uh, right. You know, we're going to move on. Um, it just sucks because we work hard and that one star does hurt. Yeah, that's really kind of what bothers me. So. Yeah. There's always bound to be a personality on a podcast that you dislike, mm -hmm. whether that has basis or not. Unfortunately, I'm one of the hosts, so there's yeah. not really a lot we can change about that for this person. Um, I wish that, given the fact that they really seem to like all the rest of the, the people dudes. we have on here, the dudes, I would like to see them kind of honor that a little bit. But yeah. I hope they're listening, and I hope they take the time to listen to the other ones and maybe change that, that review or at least change their mind about it. It's so funny. We can get people that listen for three years and they won't review us. And then we get someone that listens to it once and they're going to give it, you know. Yeah. I think the hate is more passionate. A lot of times yeah. I, I see other podcasts, that's what happens. But again, I, I don't want to dwell. Sorry to those of you who are like, we don't care about this. Let's yeah. get on with the show. So I'd like to honor the positive ones. Thank you so much to somebody that wrote in with a review entitled Superlative, among other Mr. Robot casts. They said, I've tried many other podcasts on this show, and this is far better than most. They've prepared thoroughly for the discussion and strike a good balance among reviewing the scenes, sharing their own thoughts and opinions, and adding in relevant external information. I'm sticking with this one. The reason I, yeah, the reason <laughs> I like that is because they're highlighting the things that we spend so much time on each yes. week. Hours of work reviewing the episodes, reading up about what's out there, not just pulling directly from, you know, say Wikipedia, but looking at different articles and interviews, behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. Trying to take from everywhere, uh, doing our own recap. So to see that you guys notice that and you like it, that's great to hear. It means the world. That was from Curious Squid. And thank you to the many positive reviews again. I know this episode has been a little bit different than the structure of our normal podcast. We were looking for a conversation just about how we felt in general. So I hope that you've enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed coming along for the ride of this wonderful show, yeah. Mr. Robot Season 2. And thank you so much to the fans again. You guys are kicking so much ass that <laughs> our web hosting company has dropped our website twice due oh, to too yeah. much traffic. And it's been a major headache for me, but this is positive. I'm working right now currently on moving this to a more expensive hosting company. But it's worth it because you guys are listening. So I do want to say if this is either delayed or if in the meantime you get sometimes where it won't download, 
Know that we're aware of it. Don't give up on us. I'm just trying to move the whole website to, to a new place. Yeah, we're really sorry about that. Hopefully this will be resolved soon and it'll actually be a benefit in the future mm-hmm. so that we won't have some of these continuous issues. We are going to continue podcasting, like we said before, on another show. So we're going to be back very shortly for the start of our Westworld review. Yes, so please move over to the Coffee Clatch Crew podcast, Clatch with a K, and you'll get all of those episodes. And hopefully we'll get some new fans with the new channel that we end up with. That would be great. So any last words on season two? Mr. Robot has been real. I didn't even get a chance to miss this Wednesday because that's when the website was down. So I forgot that it was Wednesday. (laughs) But it is missed. We have a bunch of things on our Twitter about people saying how much they miss it. Um, Even uh, B.D. Wong saying, you know, I miss White Rose. It's pretty fun to watch these... uh, characters or real people that we know yeah um, it was it was like the whole when game of thrones ended yeah I, like, I have to wait more than a year now for it to start back because i was delayed yeah. but then so soon mr robot came in now we're feeling that whole hopefully westworld will fill oh, it hopefully i don't want to stop it mid-season yeah and we'll <laughs> just continue to to have those uh those feelings roll with it just a final note, I know that if Jamal and Ryan were here, they would yes. like to express their undying love for Mr. Robot yes, Season 2 right along with us. We've all enjoyed the ride. Look forward to seeing you for the next show. Westworld is on on Sunday nights, so we're going to be trying to either record on Tuesdays or Wednesdays and then get them out Thursdays or Wednesdays. So keep a lookout. It's been real. Until next week, this round's on me. This round is on me!